1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time now for Heart and Lions on
2: WEEI. For the entire offense, it's been clunky,
3: is the word that comes to mind. For me. And there is context to that. It's the red zone. Spaces are tight. This defense is actually pretty good. You are trying to work in some new pieces offensively to be able to get those guys into the swing. And you have a new offensive coordinator. So it's better. The the coordination of the offense is better. There's no question. Even through two days, I think we can see that. But you're seeing a lot of balls batted through the air. A couple of picks in two days for Mac Jones. And again, the decision making hasn't always been there. He threw one across his body, into traffic, uh, rolling right, throwing back to his left. Earlier in the period today, the 11 on 11
2: period today, Tom, it got broken up by Christian Gonzalez. You might say to yourself, ah, got away with one there, probably shouldn't try that again, but he tried it later in the practice. I assume that's something they'll come back to
3: when they go to the film and say, third down in the red zone, usually we want to kick a field goal there. Don't force it. Yeah. That is NBC Sports Boston's Phil Perry with, I think, spot-on observations from the training camp practice fields at Gillette Stadium. Speaking of Gillette Stadium, Andy Hart here for Hart & Lions, live from Gillette Stadium where the Patriots will hold their fourth training camp practice of the summer later today around 1230. The gates are open, the fans are filing in, and if... The early sprinkle is any indication it's going to be another large crowd here. They've had good crowds, first three practices, even utilizing the overflow ramps of Gillette Stadium to see the practice fields. There is energy, there is buzz around this training camp, and I find that interesting, John Lyons, because I don't know that there's a particular reason for that. And what I mean by that is you didn't sign the best free agent on the market. You didn't draft offensively a superstar wide receiver in the making if anything your biggest addition this offseason is Bill O'Brien new offensive coordinator and yet there has been a pretty good I guess buzz around the practice field from the crowd energy Juju Smith-Schuster who's probably your biggest name player addition noted that Mike Kosicki has noted that some of the new guys noted the energy coming from the crowd and let's be honest the National Football League is an offensive league. Sorry, people that love defense. Sorry, Patriots, if defense is your best unit. People live and die by quarterbacks and receivers and offense and win that way. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm Wait, glad defense Phil,
2: doesn't win championships anymore?
3: It does not. Not really in any sport, but certainly not in the National Football League. It can help, and a really good defense can help, and I don't think you can be really bad on defense and just win with offense, but um, the days of the Bears winning the Super Bowl because of their defense, probably long gone, because that was a long time ago. So let's get to Phil's comment. Clunky red zone offense. Three days in, clunky offense, uh, failure to separate, nobody really standing out other than Hunter Henry, Mac Jones making some questionable throws, turning the ball over, a couple picks to Kyle Duggar. It's way too early, but is there any concern that this offense isn't going to make a jump with Bill O'Brien leading it and that you might be seeing some of the same problems rear their ugly head not only early in the season but as the year
2: plays out. So to be honest with you, Andy, I don't have a ton of that concern yet. And the reason is at this point, well, three days in, no pads. They've only done red zone. They've only thrown the ball. The really, and I know this isn't sexy, but the biggest thing I'm looking at Are they lining up right? Do they know where to go? Does the operation at least look solid at the snap and initially in the play? And so far, it, for the most part, has. And Mm -hmm. I know the defense has been better, and I know the offense, and I'm not telling you the offense has been good. It hasn't. But I wouldn't be concerned about that until we get to Thursday or Friday this week and they're still getting shut down. Like, I want to see them – with pads on, in the middle of the field, actually moving the ball, and then getting to the red zone and continuing to move the ball. I think the fact that they've spent all this time in the red zone shows their emphasis on it, obviously offensively and defensively. But it also makes things a lot easier for the defense. So have the has the offense been great? No. Has it even been good? No. But no. I'm not really like what I'm looking for these first three days. I mentioned are they lining up right? Right? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Because you know this, Andy, last year at this time, we were worried about them lining up right and getting the snap-off correctly during training camp. Like So that's what I'm looking for right now. And that's not just for the Patriots. I'm looking at that for any team in the NFL three days into camp with no pads, you know, only throwing the ball. Now, if we get to Thursday and this is a problem, then I'm going to start to get really concerned.
3: And I do think it's interesting – Um, And I'll open this up to callers, 617-779-7937. The expectations for this offense are an interesting topic, I think. Because on one level, you can't be worse than you were last year, right? So almost anything is going to be better than what Mac Jones went through with Matt Patricia in this offense a year ago. But I also feel like so much stock has been put in Bill O'Brien, that now you have a competent, capable, experienced offensive coordinator. I forgot who it was. There was one list out there. You have the third best offensive coordinator in the National Football League this year. And I feel like there's some that are like, well, you're going to have the biggest jump. Uh, you're going to see what Trevor Lawrence saw in Jacksonville from one year to the next, right? Like that jump. And there's others that are in the same boat. I think the the Denver Broncos are in the same boat where they were horrific a year ago. Sean Payton arrives, and there's this expectation that you're going to go from worst to first kind of offensively. And I still look at the Patriots' talent and say, Bill O'Brien's good. He's going to bring competency. I think they're going to be a far more competitive unit But the more I watch this, and it gets into the comparison between offense and defense, I think the Patriots' secondary may have some struggles at times this year. Certainly the cornerback position, going young, having to prove themselves. Christian Gonzalez, who I love. We'll get into him at some point. And and they're kind of dominant right now. They're knocking down balls. They're winning one-on-one battles. They're picking off passes. And it's the age-old argument. Are they playing really well? Or is it a bad matchup, right? Like they're they're the matchup of the offense is struggling so much that it's making the defense look good. So I'm interested to know what people really think about the offense in general. What they expect out of this offense. Are you expecting just marginal improvement? Or are you expecting to go from laughingstock to... I've heard some people say this could be a top 10 or 12 offense. Or Sports Illustrated says there's 12 teams that could win the Super Bowl this year. The Patriots are one of those. Well, guess what? If you're going to be a team that can win the Super Bowl, you better have a Super Bowl caliber offense goes without saying, because the other teams, most of them are built around their offenses, their quarterbacks, their playmakers. And I think that's a um, that's a big jump from what we watched last year to what we are expecting this year without actual massive advancements in personnel.
2: And Andy, look, I, I think if anybody out there is listening, and you should be listening to the Heart and Lions show, of course, on a Sunday. Why boy, wouldn't you be? But if, what the hell else you got but to if do you're It's you're a Sunday? There, if you're out there listening, and you think the Patriots are going to have a top three or a top five offense, I'm sorry, but you're nuts. Like you, you just—they're not going to have that. But I think they can get what about to top ten. I think they could be top twelve. Like I look at them as like 11, 12, kind of that range. And let's not forget, two years ago under Josh McDaniels with. A lot of the same personnel and a rookie quarterback, they were 7th in the league in points per game. So I think if you can get, and I don't think they'll get to 7th, but if you can get to 11 or 12 and just be more competent than you were a year ago, that's going to be a massive difference for them, not just for us watching them, but I think it's going to be a big difference for them and win losses. And I'm not saying they're going to win 11 or 12 games, but for them to make the playoffs, if they can just get – closer to what they got two years ago under Josh McDaniels, that's going to have a huge impact. So I don't think they're going to get to 7, 8, but I think they can get to 11 or 12, at least when it comes to points per game and yards.
3: Before we jump back on the phone line, 617 779 I want to give a quick observation from the field. Um, as the ball boys are putting out all the various pads and equipment and things they're going to use throughout practice, Um, I'm always intrigued by these pieces of material or or equipment that are sort of made for the the game. And there is a helmet on a stick down there that I'm intrigued by. It looks like a helmet basically with a broomstick sticking out the back of it. And I don't know that I've seen that used yet in training camp. And you're an assistant college football coach, John Lyons. Um what what are we going to use that for? Are we going to use that to like hit the football? What what, what exactly could a helmet on a stick be
2: used? I for? think that's just going to be their starting right tackle. So oh, that's, that's probably, a cheap no, shot. Um, that yeah, is a cheap shot. That's something that you know they might use that for, like in a quarterback drill, kind of recognizing a player coming at them in a helmet. We typically don't use helmets on sticks, though. I'll be honest with you.
3: I'm intrigued by that. It is I will interesting, be watching that.
2: and it's it's funny, Andy, because you keep describing how wonderful it is down there at Gillette Stadium, and I'm here in the Brighton studio, and uh, somebody. Left cereal on the floor, Ew. and uh, yeah, and so, and then I went down the hallway to get a snack, and the machine ate my money. So uh, you know, you're having a much better, much better um, morning, at least aesthetically around. I am. You than me.
3: It's beautiful down here, as yeah, I said. Like Andy, are got... you
2: sure that's a helmet on a broomstick and not Taquan Thornton out there? Oh, there honestly, are. There's a another. lot of cheap there's shots being
3: thrown around here, and I'm not here for it. Usually yeah, I mean, I'm the snarky cheap shot artist on this show. I don't know what's going on. We've got a producer and a supposedly positive new host. Anyway, we got a positive caller, or maybe not. Let's go back to the phone line, 617-779-7937. Ralph in Cranston wants to check in with his thoughts on the Patriots offense. Ralph, good morning.
4: Good morning, guys. Um, you know, I really believe in Belichick, but he's a defensive coach. I'm not worried about the defense. He's always been a defensive coach. The last Super Bowl they won... You know, you talk like Brady, they only put up 13 points but gave up three. I went into this season, like a lot of people, thinking they had to upgrade offensive line and wide receiver. And I don't really think they did. You know, and another thing that makes me worried about the whole thing is they are searching for a running. This team does not have a lot of depth. It really doesn't have it anywhere. Now, if this is true that the offensive line crumbles again and, you know, Jones doesn't have as many, many uh, targets... I think you're going to see a ton of pressure on, all right, Belichick's time is done because that's to me where they should have improved, and I don't think they did. All right, Ralph, thanks for the call.
3: And I don't totally disagree with the uh, lack of upgrades on the offensive line. And it's shorts and t shirts so far. Mac has been under pressure, there's been runaway blitzers. But again, you know, when Jabril Peppers comes off the edge, would he have been picked up if they had pads on? I don't know. It's a tough, tough game to play. Um, but certainly. Trent Brown is a question at left tackle. Uh, Riley Reif and or Connor McDermott are questions right now at right tackle. We haven't even seen Calvin Anderson out here yet. He's part of the additions that are supposed to be part of the upgrades there. And another spot on the offensive line that I find uh, interesting early in camp is they made all these draft picks over the last couple of years. They have young players developmentally uh, on the offensive line, whether it's uh, city sow or, um, Jake Andrews, Andrew Jason Hind, all these guys. And Mike Onwenu's who's not out here yet, he's on uh, PUP as he comes back from an injury. And who is with uh, David Andrews to his right at right guard but converted comedian, defensive lineman, Bill Murray. And this is not a shot at Bill Murray. This is just a question of you know the fact that a guy who was a defensive lineman like two years ago is better already than all these offensive linemen that they have, these young developmental guys that are supposed to be in the mix there. Just something that I'd like to keep an eye on because I don't think that's great for your young developmental offensive linemen. But certainly the concerns of depth that Ralph brings up, I think, are the biggest question this team faces, actually. We fixate on, oh, they they need D-hop because they need a number one receiver or they need this, they need that. I think they have pretty good complementary talent But the problem is, I think they are like one or two injuries away at a lot of positions of it being just jailbreak mash unit. Like, there's no third tight end, really. The cornerback position, if Gonzalez can't play, major concern. The tackle position, if Trent Brown is not out there and engaged and playing well, major concern. We just talked about for an hour, you need Zeke Elliott. Why? Because Ramondre Stevenson is your only running back. They are... They're working without a net at a lot of positions, and that's a bad thing in July because we know injuries are going to come. We know depth is going to creep up for all teams at some point during the year, and when you start thin, um, that's a that's a really bad sign moving forward.
2: Yeah, and Andy, the most important player on the Patriots' offense is Mac Jones, but I would make a strong case a close yep. second is Trent Brown. Agreed. If, if he does not play well or if he gets hurt, they're in a, a really bad spot because – you have Riley Reef or Calvin Anderson go to left tackle? The other guy to go to right tackle. City Sal, you mentioned him; he played tackle in college for one year, but that was back in twenty eighteen. So they and Andrew Stuber, he was a draft pick for them a couple of years ago, but he didn't play yep. at all last year. Like, nope. there's a lot of and, and don't get me wrong, I like the Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson signings. I think if you get good tackle play out of one of them, like I'm fine with that. But it hinges on is Trent Brown good because I think look the interior of their offensive line. David Andrews, Mike Onwenu, they're going to be good. Cole Strange, I I think, is going to be pretty good. So the tackles, which were a huge problem last year, if they're good, all of a sudden your offense gets to that 11th or 12th in the league I was talking about. But if Trent Brown is not good or he gets hurt and they have to do some juggling, then they're going to have a lot of frustrating moments, I think, on offense. So he, to me, I know Mac Jones is the most important guy. Trent Brown is a close second.
3: Still talking Patriots the rest of the morning here from Gillette Stadium, but as my usual Sunday partner, the noted slacker named Fitzy, likes to say, we're going to pivot up next. And I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Brown, because late in the Fitzy and Hart program yesterday afternoon on Saturday, we got into a nice little argument, and I was a little uh, little displeased with the amount of negative responses to Jalen Brown's Supermax contract coming from Fitzy, coming from the text line, coming from callers. And I'm not going to allow for this uh, criticism of the Boston Celtics' second-best player. We'll see where John Lyons chimes in on the massive contract extension for Jalen Brown. It is Hart and Lyons live from Gillette Stadium. But first, we must trend.
1: Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com
4: Pressure is good. Everybody makes it seem like pressure is always a negative thing. Like pressure is good. It's good to feel a little
3: bit of pressure. I don't mind it. You know what I mean? You know, I appreciate the ones who support and the ones who appreciate, you know, and you just continue to get better. Like the work never stops. My work ethic is second to none. I wake up every day with basketball on my mind, how I can be better. You know, where my weaknesses are, where my strengths are, and, and you magnify them. So it's like learning. You just, learning never stops. You know, and the players that you know embody that are the ones that you see, you know, that have the best careers, and I want to be one of those players. So, you know, I'm always open to learning. I'm always open to getting better, and uh, I'm never afraid of putting some work in. That's Jalen Brown, fresh off a $300 million Supermax extension that indeed increases the pressure that he's going to feel as the second best player, I guess, on the Boston Celtics, as a guy around whom the team is building and trying to win an NBA title, a guy that has been invested in, which makes some of the other future financial decisions a little bit more um, difficult. For Brad Stevens and company, this is Heart and Lions on a Sunday morning. Beautiful Sunday morning on WEEI. The thunderstorms and tornadoes blew through Massachusetts Saturday night. And that left a less humid, beautiful, somewhat cool conditions here. And I am at Gillette Stadium live for training camp practice. But right now, I I used to think Mac Jones, a guy I'm going to watch on the practice field in about an hour, hour and a half, was... The most polarizing figure in Boston sports. I thought he took that title from probably Tuka Rask, who was that guy for a long time. But now with the new $300 million extension for Jalen Brown, I think there's a chance that Jalen Brown is becoming the most polarizing figure in Boston sports. He has his uh, promoters and defenders of which I include myself, big fan. And he has plenty of detractors, people who say, oh, he's not worth the money, they should have cut him and traded him, moved on from him, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he'll learn to dribble to his left and not off his knee now that he makes so much money. So, John Lyons, I want to bring you in here and talk about your opinions here. Jalen Brown, you like the contract extension? Do you think Jalen Brown is here for the long haul, and do you think Jalen Brown uh, will be feeling that pressure of the money moving forward and some of the criticisms that are bound to come with it.
2: Yes. Yes. And for the most part, that's the way I look at it. So I I am big on this Jalen Brown extension and I completely understand why some fans are frustrated. I watched him for 48 minutes, dribble the ball off his left foot in game seven against Miami as well. And I was furious. I get it. But I also think when you're they're obviously trying to build a championship team. Why would you let a second-team All-NBA player go, and what were you going to do to replace that? I mean, were you going to trade for Damian Lillard, who, by the way, I love Dame Lillard, and I think he would be a great fit here. But for the next three or four years, is he going to be better than Jalen Brown all of those years? And on top of it, they tried the small guard thing with Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker. It just hasn't really worked here getting a smaller offense-first type guard to pair with Jason Tatum. And, of course, I know Brown was here for some of that time as well. So I, I just look at it as what else were you going to do? And and I know that might almost sound like a backhanded criticism, what else are you going to do? But I still think I would have signed Jalen Brown. Either way, it's the second-team All-NBA guy. Last year, he had career highs in points, rebounds, and assists. He was ninth in the NBA in scoring. So the Celtics had two top-ten scorers on their roster in Jalen Brown. And the other piece about Jalen Brown, which is really my favorite thing about him, we've talked a lot this summer about how does losing Marcus Smart change their identity? What are they going to do in crunch time? Well, Jalen Brown is a guy that has that edge to him. You, know, you go back to a couple of years ago against the Bucks in the second round when Giannis put his hand on Jalen Brown's back and Brown swatted it away. And it feels like he has that little bit of edge to him that they sorely need. Now, does he have flaws in his game? You bet. Does he need to improve his dribbling? Does he need to improve his catch-and-shoot three-point shooting? Hell yeah. But for $300 million over five years, I know that's an eye-popping number. I think it was the right move. And the other piece of this too, Andy, and I know I'm rambling here, but it's 35% of the cap right now. If the cap keeps going up, it's going to be 31 to 32% of the cap by the end of the deal. So it's still going to be a ton of money, but it's not going to fully hamstring them at 35% for the entire length of the deal either.
3: Yeah, so most listeners to Fitzy and Hart or any show I've been on, Rich Keefe show, whatever, know that uh, I defend Jalen Brown tooth and nail because I think he's a really talented player. I think he's been a key part of the Boston Celtics' success in recent years and all these trips to the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals and everything that goes into it, I also think he's been part of the reason they haven't brought home a trophy and banner number 18. Like, I think there is room for growth. But I would I would argue the exact same thing about Jason Tatum, who is anointed as the best player on the team and all of that, the MVP candidate. They've both played a key role in success and failure to achieve the ultimate goal, I think Jalen Brown has gotten better every season with the Celtics. I think he absolutely earned this Supermax extension beyond just the fact that he checked off the boxes in the CBA that say, nope, you're now eligible for the Supermax because I think you drafted him, you developed him, and for better or worse... Oh, uh, the crowd here at Gillette Stadium loves the Jalen Brown talk. I don't know if you're picking up on that Oh, in the I am. I, but, uh, I figured
2: it was just they were excited to hear from me and you. But maybe that's Maybe it's Jalen Brown, too. Yeah.
3: Uh, but Jalen Brown has earned everything he's gotten here. But the problem is once you get paid, it changes everything, right? It was one thing. What was it? A four-year, whatever, basically $20 million a year contract. Oh, he's underpaid in that rookie deal extension that he signed. Now he's overpaid. Now he's the highest-paid player in NBA history, although that'll change, um, just like we see with quarterbacks in the NFL. The highest-paid guy is often not the best guy. The best guy might be that once every five to ten years. Other guys who aren't as good make more money. It's just the economics and the free agent trends and things of sports. But I am very confident that he is a really good player. Forget the $304 million. I think too many people are going to fixate on that do you want Jalen Brown on your basketball team? And as you said, what else are you going to do? You drafted this guy. You've decided you were going to keep him. There were plenty of opportunities, Lord we know, and he knows it, to trade him. There's been those talks for years where they've been putting it out there on NBC Sports Boss. Oh, maybe they'll trade him for KD, and Jalen Brown will be at the center of this deal, and Jalen Brown will be at the center of that deal. He was never at the center of any deal. Now he's at the center of your present and your future. And I do wonder, whether it's on the text line 37937, Or 617-779-7937, are fans concerned or excited about the Jalen Brown extension? Because I feel like there's at least a 50-50 split, and it may even trend a little toward the negative. I think some fans feel like this may be a step in the wrong direction, that you are tying your hands to some degree financially, and and as you said... The finances are a little bit fluid. What exactly part of the cap he eats up, depending on where the cap goes in future years, and how all that'll work with the second apron, which we're not going to delve into because, quite honestly, I don't truly know enough about the second apron and the limitations in terms of trades and signings and draft picks and blah, blah, blah. But are the Boston Celtics closer to an NBA title today than when the season ended? I guess that's my simple yeah. question.
2: Uh, I mean, 100%. And. A huge part of that is the Porzingis deal yeah. and the fact that Derek White's going to get more minutes. But And here's the thing with Jalen Brown, too. A lot of people, and myself included, have a really bad taste in their mouth from the conference finals this year, especially Game 7. He averaged 19 points a game in the conference finals this year, did not play that well. Last year when they won the conference finals, he averaged 24 points a game and was a major reason why. Yep. So like when they've gone deep in the playoffs and even in the finals against Golden State, Yes, he was terrible handling the ball. He also was their leading scorer in that yep. series. So, yep. if, again, if he can work on some of the flaws in his game, which, and I know we talk about these flaws, 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 it's not like these are debilitating things that he can't improve. He's gotten better as a basketball player, too, every single year that he's been in the NBA. But I also think the Celtics' offense with Porzingis and Derek White playing more is probably going to be a better fit of an offense for Jalen Brown and maybe even Jason Tatum too, because now you have more guys that can handle the ball. You have more guys that can score and not just score, but really score from anywhere. Porzingis can score from inside. He's a 38% three-point shooter. Derek White can score inside. He's a good shooter as well. So I think that's actually going to make life easier for Jalen Brown and by extension Jason Tatum. So, yeah, I think they – look, and and this is not an anti-Marcus smart take. I I appreciate everything he did here. He's a – Great player, one DPOY, but I think they are, without a doubt, closer to a championship today than they were at the end of May when they lost Game 7 to the
3: Heat. That's life. No, they'll be
2: all right. 100%. Uh, They'll be all right. And I I also, too, Andy, like the stuff Jalen Brown said about wanting to invest in the city of Boston, I thought was really important because I know there's been, hey, does he like it here? Does he not like it here? Well, If he wanted a trade kicker in his contract and he didn't get a player option and he's saying, I want to invest a lot of this money in the city and in these programs I've started, those are three pretty clear signals the guy doesn't want to get traded and he wants to be here, which I also think is good news for the Celtics and Celtics fans.
3: Which is why I don't necessarily understand... um... This, this criticism, this contempt, this fixation on the flaws of his game because you can do that and I can fixate on the flaws of Jason Tatum's game too, right? I choose not to unless I'm defending Jalen Brown because he also does a lot of really great things on the court, just like Jalen Brown does a lot of really great things on the court and clearly wants to do a lot of great things off the court. And supposedly Boston is a place, right, where if the players achieve and embrace you, you embrace them, right? That's sort of the, just the yeah, general if dynamic. Yeah, you it all
2: and you win a championship, you're pretty much good in this city.
3: Yeah, and, and this team is still, in my opinion, on the cusp of a championship. And I still believe, like you, they're going to contend for a championship this year. And I think Jalen Brown will be a better player. I don't know if the numbers will continue to go up because I think the dynamic of Kristaps Porzingis changes everything, and that may alter the breakdown of the actual numbers and the times when you need Jalen Brown to score and step up. And, you know, we all fell in love with the 30, 30 games last year, Tatum and Brown, both getting 30, 30. Well, when you add Porzingis in the mix, a guy who could score 20 plus hell 30 on any given night, I don't think you're going to have three guys scoring 30. So I think that could change the numbers for Jalen Brown, but I think it also might make him a better player. And it might make the Celtics a better team as they piece this together. And talking about them being better in general, you can argue the Porzingis trade with me if you want, and you feel like they got away from their roots and they lost their dog and their defensive guy Marcus Smart and all of that. I don't think they want to play defense anymore. They want to win with offense. Well, and they another, want to shoot, you threes. said it yourself,
2: but, Andy. Defense doesn't win anymore. But another right. piece of this is Porzingis is a good defender. Like, well, he, I know people tell me that, and the NBA numbers tell me in that points allowed per pick and roll defended last. Yeah, game. I know like, the analytics. He, he was you know where you good, can Take your analytics, yeah. John
3: Lyons. You can lube them up real nice and put them where the rock told you to put them.
2: Okay, I, I I will after I do that though I will watch Porzingis play good on defense for the Celtics in the fall, Andy. I, I promise you. But look, and here is the other piece. And Marcus Smart, even, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but he alluded to this when he got introduced in losers. Memphis. Yeah, he, losers. He said that you know, hey, we weren't winning, and something was probably going to change, and they weren't going to trade the Jays. Like if your identity was built around a certain way, and you were still coming up short every year. Like, okay, then change things up. Make some adjustments. Just like they had issues scoring in the last five minutes of games two years ago. They went out and got Malcolm Brogdon. Now they had issues still closing games, but also just with the fit of everything. So they made a move for smart for Porzingis, and they let Grant walk. So, like, I I understand people that are like, oh, they're going to lose some of their identity. Well, their identity was coming up short every year. That was Whoa. really their identity. L- Ouch, I mean, babe. it was defense. Look, and I that 2022 finals run was fantastic, and they did build it around defense, but let's be honest with ourselves. Their identity was not winning championships since 2008. That's why they made this move. I, I would be willing to just about guarantee you, Andy, that if they won the championship two years ago against Golden State, Marcus Smart would still be a Celtic today, and they wouldn't have made this move because they would have had a core that was champions. And by the way, might be a little more affordable in the long term, depending on how Smart's next extension pairs with Porzingis's current extension. So I think that's why they did this. Like, it wasn't an anti-Marcus Smart thing or we want to play a certain way. It was this isn't working and bringing in Porzingis will make us better. And I think the Supermax is an extension of that. Like, I think they view the best version of themselves as Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Porzingis with, you know, Derek White and Brogdon as complementary pieces. And for this
3: this identity discussion, you also have to acknowledge that, they changed head coaches. They had to move on from the head coach that created a certain hard-o, defensive-minded dynamic with his team. He's gone, and I've been a big believer forever. You hired a new head coach who has to be who he is. He can't come in and try to be Ime Udoka and say we're doing X, Y, and Z just like he did. And I think Joe Missoula has made it quite clear. He likes to shoot threes. He likes to score points. If you miss a three, shoot two more is sort of his mentality. And you have to build... You chose the coach... Now, build the team around your coach. The only area where I think that's concerning, and we heard Jalen Brown even say it, talking about defense and things in his uh, press conference after his extension, and oh, by the way, guess who else is still here? Malcolm Brogdon, a guy who was very sort of uh, open with his questions about the way the team came up short in the playoffs and whether defense is still their core and their identity and what he had seen from afar as opposed to what he had seen when he joined the team I do wonder you even had that feature story that said something to the effect they had a whole meeting with Joe Missoula about offense and shooting and this and <laughs> Jalen Brown got the team together and said defense on three one two three defense and I do wonder where that goes because as you mentioned I think Jalen Brown becomes the dog on the team the guy who is sort of the heart and soul, quote unquote, and the guy that may still want to play defense and have at least a foot in that world. But I think we can both agree the Boston Celtics are their best version right now with Jalen Brown under contract, happy, committed to them, them committed to him. Paired up with Jason Tatum. Now Porzingis. You have your star power. You fill in around it with your depth. And you should very much be a contender for the NBA title this year. And uh, hopefully for the foreseeable future. 617-779-7937. Heart and Lions WEEI on a Sunday morning. We're talking Patriots. We're talking Celtics. Jalen Brown's extension. We will tiptoe into Red Sox at some point. We'll get back to your calls. Kevin, see you lining up and others wanting to talk about Jalen Brown and his money. We will be back right after this. Hart and Lions on a beautiful Sunday morning, WEEI. I'm Andy Hart, live from Gillette Stadium. Patriots training camp, practice number four will be underway within the next hour or so. Large crowd filing into the bleachers and the grass hill and even the overflow ramps, so football excitement here in foxborough but we're going back to the phone lines we touched on the jalen brown extension and what it means for the celtics what it means for him for the short and long term 617-779-7937 kevin in the truck has an interesting take on jalen brown and what he will be next season kevin how are you
4: hi how you doing good uh listen i i spoke briefly about you know, the difference between him, but I really like the fact by moving Marcus Spahn, you're going to allow him to take a leadership, a bigger leadership role. The in the union by not having a strong voice. Second, I like the fact that Derek White bringing up the ball is going to be more easy transition baskets and less walking it up and taking the air out of the ball. And third, I think by adding Przingis, you get another man-on-man ball defender. He might lack sometimes some of the help defense on his switches, but you have Al Horford for that, and Jalen Brown excels on uh, on the ball defense. So, I think they're going to be as good, or maybe better, situationally on defense than they were the last two years.
3: All right, Kevin, thanks for the call. Uh... The the part I would pull out of that is the white at point guard um, and the way it might change the – what's the word that Joe Mazzulli uses? Pacing. We had that pacing play where they ran out of time at the end of a game and and Jason Tatum, and I think people don't like sometimes the way they finish with Tatum bringing the ball up the court or Tatum um, walking it up, and I do think it's interesting that white is going to evolve – Um, as a key player on this team. And then the other part is that that vacuum that Marcus Smart always filled as a leader, as a dog, as whatever you want to call it, as a shooter. He always seemed to step up when he felt like there was a void in various aspects, and that was for good and for bad. I'm not sure how that all played out over the totality of his career. That changes everything. Different guys are going to have to step up as leaders. I think Jalen Brown will. Different guys are going to have to step up on the court. I think Derek White will. And this isn't meant to be you know, oh, Marcus Smart's gone, let's rip him and everything he did for this team for the last X number of years. It's just sometimes, as Sheryl Crow would say, a change will do you good.
2: Yeah, and Andy, I'm a big supporter of Derek White getting more minutes. His last year in San Antonio when he was getting starting level minutes, he was a 14.5 point a game, 5.5 assists a game guy, and he's a much better shooter than Marcus Smart, and He's a very good defender. Like, I know Marcus Smart won DPOY as a guard, so I'm not expecting Derek White to be that good as a defender, but he's really good as a defender. We saw it many times throughout the course of the season. He's also very durable, played all 82 games last year. So I think having Derek White, it's another guy, because you mentioned those late-game situations, and I think that's the biggest thing that prevented them from winning a championship two years ago, and it's why they traded from Malcolm Brogdon. Now you could have a game-ending lineup with Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, Derek White, and Brogdon, all guys that are threats to score from anywhere, guys that can shoot threes, that can score inside, that can hit mid-range shots. And I think that's a challenge that other teams just haven't had from the Celtics in recent years. And now, look, are you going to suffer a little bit defensively without Marcus Smart? Probably, but I still think you'll be a net positive in end-of-game situations because we've never really worried much about them defending late in the game. It's just been, can they score at some point in the last five minutes to put games away? And I think with White as your point guard, I think you have a better chance of chance of doing that on a more consistent basis.
3: Do you agree with me that there is a strange, um, s- just below the surface, dislike for Jalen Brown?
2: But on the Celtics or in the NBA as a whole? In I, Oh, I mean within
3: Celtics fans. Uh, no, 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 not within players. I mean within fans that are almost... Ready to pounce. Almost are looking for mistakes or things he where he doesn't step up because they want to criticize him and they don't totally love him.
2: Andy, that answer is yes because the 508 Texas said Brown has the most flaws of anyone given a major contract in Boston sports history. Yeah, I guess that guy missed out on Kyle Crawford. But point is like with Jalen Brown, I, I think there I, I don't know if it's a widespread, but I think there is a segment of Celtics fans, especially because he hasn't won a championship yet. That are ready to kind of pounce on him, or let's not forget, he got booed on draft night. When yeah, he was drafted. They booed because they wanted the Celtics to trade for. I think it was Jimmy Butler at the time. Which, not going to lie, Jimmy Butler. I think they also nice wanted fit. to draft Chris Dunn, and Chris out Dunn of was the other
3: pick there. Look at where he is now. And where is he now? No, literally, where is he now?
2: I couldn't even tell you where Thank Chris Dunn is. Yeah, I no idea. I think he was on the Timberwolves for a while. I don't Did know. he sign a supermax? I, I definitely not. And you also <laughs> do. And here's the other piece of that. Over the next few years, Jalen Brown's going to end up being a better player than Jimmy Butler. And I know Jimmy yes. Butler is the killer in the playoffs right now, which Brown is not, and that's a huge differentiator. But year two, three, four of the Supermax, Jalen Brown's going to be the better player long-term anyway. But, look, I-, I think there is a segment of fans that are ready to pounce on him, and part of it's yeah. the money, Part of it's the collapse in Game 7 against the Heat this year. Part of it's the turnovers against the Warriors. And part of it's his willingness to be outspoken. Like, he's willing to say, hey, Boston has X, Y, and Z flaws. Doesn't mean he doesn't like the city. I mean, we literally just went through him signing a Supermax with no player option, a trade kicker, and saying at his press conference how he wants to help improve the community. But there's a segment of people that just don't like any athlete outspoken or don't like any athlete pointing out that, their city might not be perfect, and, and I think you combine that with some him coming up short against Miami this year and him with all the turnovers against Golden State despite beating their leading scorer, I, I think there is a segment of fans that are ready to pounce if he has a bad year.
3: You just stumbled on something, and I think you're right. You
2: mean my words? Because I did a little.
3: No, no, no. I, I mean a, uh, a great point, and I don't mean to insinuate that you only stumble into great points. Sometimes you bring them up intentionally, I think, as well. well it's, John, uh, it's
2: okay. Andy does it, too yeah i do what bring up great points by accident all the time yeah
3: all the freaking time and you're right if so Jalen Brown is willing to point out even though he loves boston and has decided clearly he wants to you know put his roots down here his career his money his mouth his everything he has not been um he has not been afraid to tell you some of the negative aspects of his life in boston and That might be the same thing that fans are doing intentionally. Oh, you want to point out our flaws? We'll point out your flaws. You're not the perfect basketball player. It's like he has embraced Boston just like they have embraced him, but each is pointing in the other at the other, saying, "But you're not perfect. You're not as good as you could be. I would like you to do X, Y, and Z better." That might be an interesting dynamic at play. Whereas Tatum is kind of quiet, right? I I don't really. Tatum doesn't say a lot. I don't really know much about Tatum and. Because he has not questioned his role in Boston or his comfort in Boston, maybe that makes the fans and the fan base and the green teamers more um, capable of overlooking his flaws, which I think are are there. There are flaws there. You just said it. If they won a title, things would be different. Brown and Tatum would be looked at differently. Well, if Jason Tatum had played better in his matchup with Steph Curry and the Warriors, you might have a title. And yet that would change the perception of Jalen Brown? How does that work? Yeah, He could have...
2: Tatum gonna... in that series, game one, he had thirteen assists. He was the best player on the floor at some points, and after that, he largely disappeared. Correct. But he did not get near, and and he got some criticism. He did, but mm. the flack that Jalen Brown is getting after this game seven, I think, is way more than what Jason Tatum got after that NBA Finals. Well, Correct. Tatum's got the excuse of the bad ankle. Jalen had the no excuse. Oh,
3: Tatum always has the excuse of something, and, and, everything. and also too, and let's people be give fair. him the excuse. Let's
2: be fair though. Like Tatum's better like Tatum is yeah. flat out better so Correct. that also because he's better he makes fewer mistakes and he probably gets a little bit more leeway from fans and he's just more of a quiet chill kind of guy which but. i think is makes it less he gets less criticism for that too
3: See, I think in most places, the star gets the most criticism. Somehow in Boston, the number two gets the most criticism, even though they both have flaws, even though they both have, make mistakes. Somehow Jason Tatum is given as the best player, and yet the expectations are not as high as they are in other places. But that's another topic for another segment, 617-779-7937. If you want to join the Celtics conversation with Jalen Brown, now your highest paid player, Jason Tatum, your best player, and are the Boston Celtics Uh, On the verge of another title run, hopefully, next NBA season. You can hear in the background, I am live at Gillette Stadium for Hart and Lions. Patriots practice will be underway within the next half hour or so. The reporters are setting up to talk to Bill Belichick. So we will talk Patriots, we will talk Celtics, and we'll even delve into the Boston Red Sox because I know John Lyons is very excited about the results of last night's game in San Francisco. Hart and Lions making the switch from Sunday morning to Sunday afternoon here on Weei,
1: listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field. It is high.
3: It is far. that is gone.
1: Stream minor league affiliates.
3: The Midwest League home run leader.
1: And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only three ninety-nine per month.
4: Deep left field. It's gonna go. Alvarez.